When you're told to assemble a team to complete a project, where's the best place to start? If you think finding the smartest person or people to join the team is the answer, you need to listen in because there's a big difference between IQ and EQ, and we'll discuss that in this episode. Thanks for joining us as we discuss smart doesn't mean success. Welcome to our podcast. I'm your host, Rick Shields, and I'm joined with my co-host and my friend, Mike Atkinson. Together, we direct the Doorways Leadership and Influence Network. We're pleased to have Alan Vandenberg with us on this episode. Alan has been a leadership coach and a speaker and an author for over 15 years. His book, EQ Killed the Radio Star, has sold less than 1 million copies, and it's available on Amazon. Alan, I'm not trying to diss you. It's a big deal to write a book. It really is. And it may be nearly a million. I don't know how many copies it is, but we're glad you're with us. Thanks for joining us, Alan. Thank you, Rick. Thank you, Mike. Thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, yeah, working on that first million. That's what I've, I've been told. It's, it's a full-time job. Hey, you have to start somewhere. So Alan, yeah. Rick mentioned a leadership coach, and that's a broad role. So give us your personal kind of definition of that and how you operate within that role. Yeah, well, I mean, just like any coach for for anything, whether it's a team or a, you know, a drama, whatever that might be, the job of the coach is to help help people discover their their strengths and thrive in those strengths while they're also aware aware of their weaknesses or their areas of opportunity. That's what I'm really about trying to do is trying to help uh, leaders particularly try to find their strengths and how they can operate them even more more efficiently than what they're doing today and and of course being aware of that is the first piece of that that's really what i'm i'm trying to help leaders do every day anytime i'm i'm looking at like a an opportunity i i'll, I'll usually just say okay well, what's one thing you could do better and that usually just stops right there okay if you could do one thing better the next time what would it be but let's make sure that we concentrate on all the things that we we do well here and that they have they have observed themselves, and you just verify that yes, that that worked really well, mm-hmm. and I you know I sense this, and you know you're kind of verifying their their self discovery or self awareness. Do you find that most people are open to coaching, or how's that, how's that interaction <laughs> typically go? It does seem to be more difficult the higher you go in an organization, a CEO, vice president. In my experience, it's been I would say more difficult. Um, but then at every level, you've got leaders that they're not willing to listen to learn. They think they kind of know it all because maybe they, they've had some, you know, success here and there. And so I've seen it at every level, but it does appear to be harder to coach at the higher levels. And, and you have to be respectful of that too. I mean, you know, they're in a position, there's a lot of pressure on them and a lot of things coming at them. So you, know, you have to give them a little bit of grace on, on that, but certainly. Uh, this balancing of strengths is what I, I seem to have I've seen a lot of um, in my in my coaching career. Alan, you said that you've witnessed some successful leadership transformations. Could you give us some examples of what that has looked like? As I've coached leaders and they begin to develop, and and I would say I would say listen to me, but I think listen to their self awareness and their self management becomes more prevalent. They're aware of maybe they cut off people in meetings or they're too confident about their approach to things as they begin to to build that self-awareness and manage it better and more effectively um you see their relationships get stronger you see their success get stronger 
obviously, you know, if they're, if they're trying to mentor that behavior throughout their team and, and the team sees that that leader is listening, they're reaching out and saying, Hey, Mike, Rick, what do you think about this? I, I know what I think, but I'm kind of asking you, what, what do you think about um, this situation or this problem? Even if they don't do it, um, even if they don't actually do what the employees that work for them, what their ideas are, at least that action is showing them that they respect them and that they appreciate their their ideas. And and it'll happen at some point in time, they'll get an idea and, oh, that's a great idea. Let's use that and go. And of course, that just makes the group um, thrive even more. Um, this idea of servant leadership is really, really, that's the one thing that I see more often than not. It has to do with listening to learn as well. Um, but the servant leadership, what can I do to help you be successful? And that's one of the things that I use personally when I go in, into any situation. I, I talk about, hey, what can I do to help you be successful? It kind of lowers the the interaction that you have with people. Um, you know, I'm not trying to come in and take your job. I'm not trying to make you look bad. Yes, we have a problem. I'm here to help. And now you have to back that up with actions, right? Let's talk a little bit about that servant leadership deal because – I think a lot of us associate servant leadership with some sort of vulnerability or weakness, and really it's not. But can you kind of explain, or if you're going to communicate to someone that's not really kind of grasping what that concept means, how would you explain that to them? I think it goes right back to what we've been talking about, and that's balancing your strengths. So even a servant leader who has that not balanced, that means they're getting walked over. A real servant leader is 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 about saying, I am here to help the abundance mentality. I'm here to help everybody. But the, the difference is, is that it's balanced. So you, you don't have people walking over you, but you're not running over people as well. So it's that that balance of, of servant leadership. And, and again, it, it comes back to actions. You can say anything you want as a leader, but what are you actually doing um, is really what, what people are looking at and what they're seeing every single day. Let me take a moment, Alan, to remind our listeners that feedback is important to us. If you have a suggestion for a guest or a topic, please let us know. You can drop us an email at info at doorways.cc, and we'll work at incorporating that topic or that guest into our podcast schedule. And we really do appreciate both your feedback and your input. My name is Rick Shields, and I'm joined on this episode with our co-host and my friend, Mike Atkinson. We're speaking today with Alan Vandenberg, a leadership coach, a speaker, and an author of the book, EQ Killed the Radio Star. We've been speaking about leadership coaching, but let's change gears here for the next few moments. Alan, let's talk a little bit about EQ killed the radio star. And so let's probably let's start with the definitions of EQ and IQ, what those mean and, and how you apply those. IQ is intelligence quotient, and it's really about the hard drive, if you will, the hard drive that you that uh, the knowledge base that you have. And of course, EQ is emotional intelligence. And that's really the software, what drives the the, the hardware, if you will. And um, that's a good analogy. I like that. What the book uh, EQ Killed the Radio Star um, talks about is if somebody asks me, this, so what, what is this book about? What I will tell them is this, is that 75% of a person or a team or a company or a project success is not their IQ. And as soon as I say that statement, no matter who I'm talking to, they know exactly what I'm talking about in their mind it's it's funny to watch people react because you can see it in their mind they're going back to projects maybe they were on where you had really really smart people in the room um you know a lot of Sheldon Coopers if you will from the big bang theory but they couldn't get along and there were egos or maybe maybe they didn't have clear direction or you know they had a lot of people that were trying to lead and not there weren't, weren't any followers 
And so, it, you know, the, the premise for EQ and IQ is that 75% of a person's success is not their IQ. So then what is it? It is, can you work with people? Can you listen to learn? Mm-hmm. Um, the things that we were talking about, you know, just earlier in the, in the podcast around servant leadership, that's a, a big, I mean, it's a huge EQ skill. Um, because you're, you're telling a CEO, Hey, you're supposed to be serving the people that work for you. And they go, what? Wait a second. Really? Is that, is that really what I'm supposed to be doing? Or, you know, and so it just gives them, uh, to me, it helps me in coaching because what I can do is you want to grow your IQ. Obviously you want to get your certifications. You want to understand, um, if it's, if it's the business world, what industry you're in, you have to have the IQ uh, portion of it. But if you, if you don't have the emotional quotient piece of that, the listening to learn, the respect of other people, you know, for other people and their thoughts and, and, you know, everybody's valuable and all, all of those things that are on that EQ side of the equation. I do an exercise in sessions and presentations I do all over the world and it connects every single time. And what I do is I ask the crowd to talk to me about the worst boss they've ever had. And it, it's been amazing. I mean, I, I've literally had people crying in the mm-hmm. audience because they remember what it was like working for that worst boss ever. And so we'll start a list of, you know, their worst boss ever. And what, what did they do? It's anywhere from yelling at them, you know, de- demeaning them, low ethics. I mean, all, all these different things. Very rarely. I mean, it, it, hard, it hasn't happened in a long time, actually, where somebody said, well, my worst boss ever was just not very smart. It just doesn't happen. Your, your best boss ever um, is typically described by the EQ behaviors of, they believed in me and um, they wanted me to succeed. They challenged me. They gave me great feedback, but I still felt confident about myself. That's that's what a great leader uh, does. And those are all EQ skills as well. It's just a fascinating thing to take a, a, a group of, of people through that journey, whether it's a whether it's a presentation from a stage or whether it's in a it's in a you know in a training session that really get them to understand kind of that. You need to grow both of those areas in in your leadership. Can you tell us briefly, because most people probably haven't read your book. Okay, sorry. I, I don't mean to sound bad. Less most people haven't read my book either, the truth is. But what? how does it relate? EQ killed the radio star. The title says something, and I, I know because we've talked about it. I've heard about it. I think that's yeah, a fascinating it, it, thing. You know, what happened was um, I needed something to connect with audiences all over the world. So I was... Spoken all across the U.S., did some stuff over overseas, presentations overseas, and some conferences, and I needed something to connect with the audiences. And so what I really came up with was this idea of, you know, rock bands are put together because of their IQ. If we want to form a rock band, Rick's going to play guitar, Mike's going to be the lead singer, we'll get a br- drummer and a bass player, and we put, the, put this band together because we can play. But the long-term success of a band is not their IQ. So why did bands break up? And I'll challenge the audience. So tell me about tell me about a band that where the lead singer left and went solo and it was better. You know, they made more money or they made more records or, you know, have more downloads or whatever. And it just seemed to connect with people. And it didn't matter if I was in an accounting conference in Vegas or if I was in an HR conference in, in Warsaw, Poland. It didn't matter where I was at in the world. That one conversation for about five minutes or so really uh, had an impact on people. And I, I talk about two bands. I talk about uh, the Beatles, who were together for roughly 10 years. They made 13 studio albums. And I compare them with the, with the band U2, who's been together for over 45 years. 
and the same four individuals and and just the pathway, not that you two is the same as the Beatles. So if you're going to tell me that, that's not true. But just, it was just interesting when the Beatles got done with their, you know, they played their last show in San Francisco, Candlestick Park, uh, 1967, and they never played again uh, live. Now, they did albums and different things like that. But when they broke up in 1970, 71, 70, 71, um, they never played again, ever. Uh, you know, they were they were worn out. Um, they had a lot of pressure on them. Um, there was a lot of things happening. Blame whoever you want on who, who broke up the Beatles. That's There's lots of books on that. But they did not break up because they couldn't play anymore. Uh, matter of fact, every one of them did multiple albums after that. Um, and so they could play. But I, you know, I recently, uh, this is something that I, I've been using here recently um, with the band U2. I will ask a, an audience, um, who is the bass player for U2? Very rarely does anybody know. They just don't know that it it, it is this guy named Adam Clayton. But my my point in doing that is, is if you say you two, the band, who's the lead singer? Everybody knows it's Bono. He's the face of the band. Everybody knows about him. He's very well known around the world for all kinds of things that he's done for hunger and all that kind of stuff. So my question is, is that nobody knows who the bass player is, but why is the bass player not jealous that he's not the front person in the face of you too. He's just not. And even so recently, I don't know why I did this. I think Bono's got a, a new book out that I, I've been reading. It's really thick. So it's taken me a long time to get through it, but, but pictures? I, I, for some, and there are pictures, but not okay. enough. But I, I was curious as to what the net worth of Bono was. And it's $800 million. I was like, wow, that's interesting. So what is the net worth of Adam Clayton, the bass player that nobody knows? It's roughly half of that, 400 million. But as I'm reading this book, he's totally okay with that. It's just an interesting... I'd be fine with it too. <laughs> yeah, it's just an interesting concept. I'm going to learn how to play the drums. How rock bands are put together, how they blow up. And, and this is not any different in... And so how this relates to the workplace is if you've got a project at work, the first thing you're going to do is who are the people that have the IQ that need to be in this group? That's the first thing that you're going to do. And, and that's typically not what is the most success. Of, it's not, it, it does not guarantee success of the project. As a matter of fact, if you wanted to, you could hire consultants to, to give you IQ. If you need it, if you got a technical project, I guarantee you could find consultants to do, um, you know, the integration work that you needed. If, if you're talking to IT world or the software implementation, that is not, um, IQ is not really where you're going to have your biggest problems. It's going to be, can you agree on what we're going to do? That seems to be a, a big one out there in, in, in my world as kind of a project manager and, and a leadership coach. Um, trying to get, you know, 10 people to agree on exactly where we're going to go. That's where it's where the drama comes in to rock bands and to in, in the workplace as well. Hey, Alan, a lot of our people in our network deal with volunteers and dealing with smaller groups where you may not have an option, a huge selection of people to utilize. So how do you build that team chemistry, team dynamic with the EQ when you know that you don't have like, I can't go out and pick out 10 people to bring in. I, I have what I have. So how do you build that within the group? It's really about growing and understanding the strengths of what you do have. And I, I you know, everybody is valuable. Everybody brings something to the table. What is it? And it may be that those volunteers are in the wrong place. Maybe they're, maybe they're doing people integrate interaction. If it's a church, you know, you don't want to, per, to put the person who kind of comes off as negative mm -hmm. and as the greeter. 
Uh, maybe you want them doing something um, less facing. <laughs> but I, I, but I think everyone, everybody has their strengths, and I think that's a, one of the things that leaders need to be very aware of is what are their strengths, and do you know? And and you could ask them. So what do you do really, really well? What do you like to do? Well, I don't like to be around people. Well, you probably shouldn't be a greeter. How about, you know, you know, and and maybe they're, you know, not to pick on finance, but maybe they like to be in inside of a spreadsheet and, and less, you know, of an extrovert. Okay, that's great. What do you have in your organization that's really small that you have not a lot of volunteers? What can you do to help them operate in their strengths? I think that's a part of what, you know, a good leader does is focus on the strengths and put people in position to succeed. Jim Collins talks about getting the right people on the bus and getting them in the right, the right seats. And so it, part of the leader's responsibilities is to, to accelerate that and to make that happen. But sometimes we get down or depressed because we can't make that uh, happen per chance. So what would you say to someone, a leader that's out there that's like really struggling with their team? What's the most important thing? Maybe one or two steps that you would give them besides bringing you in as a coach, but what would be the one or two things that they could do that, that would have the, the most impact? Yeah, go back to uh, what I said earlier in the podcast. The number one uh, tool for emotional intelligence, in my opinion, is listening to learn. And that that's people, that's processes, that's your customers, that's the finances part of your business. And those are kind of the four, if you're doing strategy, those are your four areas of, of business that you look at. And I would say, listen to learn and, and build relationships. Um, the, if, if you, if you did that, that does it cover everything? No, but it certainly gets you going down the right pathway. I think being honest too, is another piece. I, you know, a, a leader that can just step back and maybe call the group and going, you know, I'm, I'm really struggling with this piece right here. You know, maybe they made a mistake, a, a leader that can admit their mistakes and then move on is, I mean, just huge amounts of, uh, uh, you know, Stephen Covey talks about bank accounts, you know, emotional bank accounts and every interaction you have with a person, you're the making deposits or withdrawals. And so, you know, I, I've been in, you know, in meetings where really high level leaders have gotten up and said, hey, look, I made a mistake on this. I thought we could make this happen. And we've spent millions of dollars and you spent a lot of time on it. And it's just not working. So we're going to bail on it. And we're we're going to you know, exit this, this strategy that we had. And it was millions of dollars. And I, I remember sitting in one of those meetings thinking, wow, I mean, what, what bank account, it, it, you know, as far as emotional bank accounts, where you've got a leader standing up going, I made a mistake. It's time to move on. Let's go. I will leave you with three things. And, and one is, is find what you were made and born to do and do that to the best of your ability. Number two is don't let anything or anyone steal your joy and your happiness. And number, number three is live life every day because nothing's guaranteed. I leave every presentation with that because I actually, that's for me, not for anybody else. It's for me because I, I lived through some things where I didn't know what I was really good at and what I was, you know, what I was born to do. I allowed some people to steal my joy and happiness, which I will never do again. And life is too short. Thanks for joining us. I hope you enjoyed our podcast and will follow us or subscribe so you can be notified when new podcasts are released. And please consider sharing it with a friend. Until next time, this is Rick Shields. And on behalf of the Doorways Leadership and Influence Network, here's my prayer for you. May you have rest when you need it, strength when you want it, and joy when you least expect it. Until next time, may the Lord bless you as you follow after him 